0: Welcome to the WSPD Briefing Room, the official podcast of the White Settlement Texas Police Department, dedicated to enhancing transparency and community trust, including true crime stories, case updates where you can help solve crimes, and educational information on what we do. And now here's your host, Chief of Police Christopher Cook.
1: This podcast features a criminal incident involving gun violence. Listener discretion is advised. All suspects are entitled to the presumption of innocence until proven guilty in a criminal court of law. Saturday, July 29, 2023 started out like any other typical summer day. As the evening began to slowly transition into the six o'clock hour, that hot and sunny day would quickly be shattered with the sound of multiple gunshots. 911 calls started pouring in.
2: location Um, um, excuse me. Uh, there was like shots fired outside my house in the neighbors. 911, with location of your emergency. Um, on Albert Street by the middle school. Hey,
3: uh, what's going on
2: there? Apparently, there's
3: an active shooter. Older there newer. Address of your emergency.
2: Um, so we actually just, um, let's see. Uh, oh my gosh, my brain's not working. The street that crosses us. We just had maybe like, what, over 10 gunshots.
1: (laughs) Um, At the White Settlement Police Department, we have an electronic notification system called EverTel. This system alerts command staff from dispatch services that an emergency call is occurring in our city. My first awareness as the chief of police came in around 625 that evening with the following message from our dispatch services team. It read, Shooting. Area of Albert and Kimbrough. No injuries, just vehicles and homes shot up. While officers started responding to the shooting scene in the 8100 block of Albert Street, an additional 911 call came in from a frantic individual.
2: 911, emergency. Hey, I'm in White me I'm getting shot at right now. Where are you at? I'm on Road. I'm over here, I'm trying to head to the police department, but I'm getting fed up over here right now.
1: Our dispatchers did a great job by directing this caller to the police department parking lot. We
2: have a caller on the way to the police department. Says he's being shot at right now. And where's he turn? He's in a red Chevy truck, 2014.
1: As an officer met the individual who drove to the police parking lot, it was evident that this person was involved in the shooting. His red pickup truck had bullet holes in it. He was also found to be in possession of a handgun inside the truck. Other officers quickly arrived at the initial scene on Albert. While they did not initially find any of the suspects at the time in the area, they began canvassing the neighborhood and processing the scene. We had to make sure, certainly, that no innocent bystanders or people in nearby homes were injured, or worse, killed by this brazen gunfire incident in broad daylight.
4: Hi, I'm Stephen Person. I'm a sergeant assigned to the criminal investigation division here at the White Settlement Police Department. My first notification came from Officer Conley and I responded to the scene where he was located. My role here in CID is to assist other detectives and also assist patrol officers in criminal investigations. We do share on call. I was on call during the week of this incident, which is why I received that initial phone call. So when I arrived on scene, I was able to determine there were multiple shots fired from two different areas one area was from the residence at a address there on albert and the other was from the street these were approximately 25 to 30 yards away from each other and the street it appeared the shells traveled in a eastward almost as if somebody was traveling so we collected 16 empty shell casings meaning 16 different rounds were fired and we were also able to collect video evidence from that same location.
1: Wouldn't you say Sarge that that video evidence I believe it was a ring doorbell. That was a critical piece of evidence in this case.
4: It was. Uh, Most cases very rarely do we have video evidence such as this case. The red pickup truck was seen driving up, and that's when shots rang out.
1: Yeah, so walk our listeners kind of what's involved from an investigative standpoint. You know, there's a lot of television shows out there. It makes it look really easy, and and we just show up, and, and we make arrests instantaneously. But in reality, in a case like this, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff. And so from a criminal case standpoint, you know, how do we identify potential suspects. Yeah, we've got the video, but but how do we know who's who on the video? And and then that step further, how do we determine the type of crime that was committed? And then at some point, we want to present a case to the district attorney's office. So discuss all of that and and how we navigate those dynamics uh, once patrol officers turn the scene over to investigators.
4: So in Texas, every criminal offense has certain elements that have to be met. And we as investigators, we will take all evidence provided to us. We will look at everything involved, talk to as many individuals as we can, and determine what exactly took place. And we try to make the elements meet a certain offense. In this particular offense, it was deadly conduct. All the elements meant that.
1: Yeah, so, you know, I really feel like, you know, gun violence, the lack of respect for the dignity and preservation of human life certainly in this particular case, was really appalling to me, that somehow these individuals, they make a conscious decision, they're gonna meet up, they're gonna engage in a fight.
3: I pulled up to fight these and they
0: started busting at
1: my ass. Regardless of whether they thought there would be guns involved or not is irrelevant, the evidence definitely shows that guns were present because of the shooting, and then the video tells the story, and it shows that as soon as one of the individuals arrived in the pickup truck on the street, you hear the gunfire erupt, basically in all directions, which shows the brazenness and of this incident that really there was no care in the world for their neighbors or anyone who got in their way. And you know, as a, as a chief, it really reminds me all too many times where People do not think about the dangers or consequences of discharging a firearm. So talk to me about what the investigation revealed and what were the final charges and level of offense.
4: So the video again was a key piece of evidence in this case. It showed the homeowner who was John Thomas Aguilar, JT Aguilar is what he goes by. So JT was outside. The other individuals we identified as Jason Davis, he arrived in a black vehicle with other currently unidentified individuals that we're still attempting to identify, arrived on that street, confronted JT when he was in the front yard and said they wanted to fight. They were there to fight. They did have handguns with them and it can be heard very clearly in the video with JT asking, why do you have that gun? And Jason Davis returned said. I don't need it i'll put it up where's your gun at jt responded i'm putting mine up right now goes back inside the house so jt ended up calling his friend angel Pimente, and angel is the one who was driving the red pickup he arrived on scene and they were gone jason had already left jt relayed that information to angel and well angel took off after him You hear him squealing his tires and speeding down the street. JT gets in his truck and follows Angel in an attempt to locate Jason. About 10 minutes passed, and you see JT arriving back home. Jason arrives back there in the street. Angel pulls up, and then that's when the shots rang out. So the shooting, according to the video and everything that we saw, there there were no concerns. Uh, They didn't take any consideration of the houses behind them the innocent bystanders, the vehicles. It was in a residential neighborhood and watching that video, I mean, it looks like something out of the Wild West. I mean, they're out there just shooting each other, paying no attention to what's behind. We found bullet holes in neighboring vehicles, bullet holes in neighboring houses. One of them was in a house, went through the garage door and into this resident's workbench. Had he been standing at his workbench in that moment, he would have been hit by a round. And that's the kind of things we have to take in consideration is he had plenty of time to call law enforcement to request help. He did not do that. So the deadly conduct offense that we charged with is gonna be uh, the the most elements met that offense, and that's gonna be for reckless discharge of a firearm through a residential neighborhood. The fact that these houses were behind them, they were just blindly shooting at each other, hitting innocent people's vehicles, homes, was a very big concern.
1: Yeah, deadly conduct in particular, it's, it's governed and found under the Texas Penal Code Section 22.05, and it essentially states that a person commits an offense if they recklessly engage in conduct that places another in imminent danger of serious bodily injury. Certainly firing a gun does that. And it further states that a person commits an offense if they knowingly discharge a firearm at or in the direction of one or more individuals, or a house, building, or a vehicle, and is reckless as to whether those structures are occupied. And, you know, these are serious charges. This is not a slap on the wrist. In this case, it's a third degree felony in Texas, which is up to 10 years in a state prison and up to a $10,000 fine. I wanna switch gears though for a moment And talk about how we process ballistic gun evidence because again there's a lot of TV programming out there and I think there's a lot of misinformation that goes on but I do think it's important for those listening to understand that police departments work together across state lines to solve gun cases and this brings me to the ATF NIBIN system. The Bureau of Alcohol, Tobacco, Firearms and Explosives has a system and it refers to the National integrated ballistic information network.
2: Tucked away in Louisville and difficult to find, with a nondescript look to the building, is the Dallas ATF headquarters. Their goal is...
0: To create safer communities.
2: Jamie Van Vlett is the assistant special agent in charge.
0: We know the clock is ticking because these folks will continue to offend. We're gonna
3: put the date.
2: Cody Sorrells is a supervisor for the crime gun enforcement
3: team. Every gun tells a story.
2: And that story is read by the NIBIN system, the National Integrated Ballistic Information Network. This shell casing leads us to a case in January at the Walmart Supercenter in Louisville.
3: There's a guy that's getting out of his vehicle there. He has an accidental discharge with his, with his firearm.
2: Police take the gun and casings.
3: And we test fired here.
2: And as they run them through the Nibin system,
0: the markings that a firearm leaves. Uh, on, a car- on a fired cartridge case. is essentially uh, the fingerprint of a firearm.
3: You wanna make sure you're looking at every single thing because you can never know what you can miss. You see that there's a lead, there's a connection.
2: A connection made more than 50 miles away.
3: So this is a homicide case.
2: The same gun used in an unsolved murder of a homeless man a year ago.
3: Was likely used in this murder that occurred in Dallas on July 25th of 2021
2: each time a shell casing is connected to a crime these red dots on the map appear brighter
3: are there new hotspots popping up in town uh, are there names that are coming up over and over that's how we get our, our serial shooters after a while everything starts looking the same
2: and getting to that step takes dedicated analysts who spend hours behind the computer looking at every speck
0: tiny uh, microscopic tool marks um, that help uh, identify you know uh, and link those cartridge cases across crime scenes. I don't mind it at all, I, I like it.
2: <laughs> because behind every shooting, a family is left suffering.
0: That's where NIBIN helps bring this in, intel together and also bring agencies together to, to work towards that common goal of, of reducing violent crime.
1: That was an excellent news account on how NIBIN works. You know, crimes are solved by law enforcement utilizing this system by gathering intelligence and then sharing that uh, from ballistic imaging technology with other agencies. So we just had a, a success story recently. So talk to us about the ATF NIBIN alert that one of our detectives received as it relates back to one of the suspects in this particular shooting.
4: So, yeah, that particular suspect is going to be Jason Davis. He has been named in other shootings that we've investigated in the past, as well as Fort Worth and other police departments in the area. So we had a case back in September of 2022, and we it was a drive-by, and we collected shell casings from the, that location. So those shell casings were sent in for NIBIN testing. And just recently, Benbrook had made an arrest of Jason Davis and found him in possession of a firearm. So the firearm that they found him in possession of was tested, and the rounds ejected from that particular firearm matched the rounds that were in or collected from the scene of our shooting back in September. So we are currently working to connect those dots and possibly file additional charges on Jason for that previous shooting.
1: So essentially what you're saying is that our police department team, we have the ability and we've already been the benefactor of some success related to processing ballistic evidence, such as the shell casings, as you mentioned, projectiles and bullets.
4: Yes. So, yeah, the casings are a match for certain firearms. And the way the, the shell casings are, they're very unique. And they were able to show that particular shell casing came out of one particular gun. It's sort of like fingerprints. They're all unique. And they were able to really connect the dots for even older cases. We have some older cases that we can run showcasings through, and we may get a hit tomorrow. We may get a hit two years from now.
1: That's great work. So in this case, you know, after all of the incredible work that was done, not only by you as the lead supervisor and case agent, but also by your detectives, you know, our patrol officers, the dispatchers that were on duty during these shooting incidents, and also during the takedowns, and we even got a little help from the Tarrant County Sheriff's Office, a shout out to Sheriff Bill Weyburn and his uh, team, their criminal warrants fugitive division. I want to highlight the finality of how we were able to apprehend the three main suspects, because you were able to get three deadly conduct uh, warrants for each of them. I know we haven't ruled out, as you said earlier, uh, that they, there is a possibility of additional charges or as we identify additional people, but we got our three main individuals who definitely engaged in this egregious gun battle.
0: You're watching Fox 4 News. As we were starting to do our interview for trackdown, it went down.
4: Sean Rabb was there when police
3: moved in to arrest a violent criminal suspect. But that's not the end of this week's trackdown. Police still
1: need help to find his accused accomplice. You know, that was something. You know, Fox 4 reporter Sean Rabb... Recalled that he had never been in a news story on trackdown where it went down right in front of him.
0: Each trackdown has its own story. This one is perhaps the most unique we've covered so far with me is White Settlement Police Chief Chris Cook. Chris, what happened? What's going on here? Yeah, we just arrested
1: one of our three shooting suspects. You know, most of the public knows that, you know, having come from Arlington, I worked many years as a chief spokesperson and cultivated some really good relationships with local media and news reporters utilizing our relationships as a tool there are times certainly when the media can come out and help spread our stories to the public who in turn provide tips now in this particular incident we were able to get the first suspect into custody on tuesday night remember the shooting happened on saturday so three days after the shooting walk me through that
4: so on tuesday night angel bemende he had called the police and reported jason davis had driven by his home, and he could tell the vehicle was occupied by another individual he, he could not identify at that time, but he, quote, slow-rolled past his home and pointed a gun at him.
1: Luckily, no shots were fired as this happened on a residential street in the 800 block of Sandale. You know, as officers arrived, and including me as a police chief, I had just left the city council meeting because I was actually, I had left the council meeting to meet with Sergeant Lana Cook. We were having a super moon uh, that evening, and so I wanted to get a picture of her Tahoe with the moon in the background when this call came out. And so I responded with fellow officers, Corporal Will Porch, Officer Haley Buck, and again, Sergeant Lana Cook were there, and they were able to take Angel into custody without incident. Fast forward to the next morning, which would be Wednesday, you know, we coordinated with the sheriff's office. We held an operational briefing at our department, and actually, Sarge, you actually gave the briefing. And so talk about what the purpose of the briefing is all about and why we do those.
4: So the purpose of these briefings is to really inform and educate any involved party that's going to be assisting us into what we have. So Tarrant County, in this case, they came out and they were able to provide assistance and and extra manpower and extra bodies there to be able to facilitate these arrests, and The way the briefing went, we try to give them as much information as we can about these suspects' background, criminal history, violent tendencies. We look at the overall uh, circumstances surrounding this particular offense, which was they were all involved in a shooting. So regardless of their criminal history, we considered each one of these people armed. And we tried to do a look at the home, the streets, the residential areas. We brought it up on a screen, showed the home, and just kind of the where everybody was going to be positioned, how we were going to execute this warrant, and trying to get everybody home safely at the end of the day.
1: Yeah, once we put eyes on suspect number two's house on Albert, about the same time I was getting ready to do that interview with Sean Rabb on the track down, the suspect J.T. Aguilar and a friend they got into the pickup uh, at their residence and they decided to leave. And you know, and sometimes that happens, right? Uh, We thought we were going to surround the house and and do a call out, but they had other plans. I think they were headed to the gym or something. And so detectives, officers, and the sheriff's office, y'all were able to knock the truck down on a traffic stop on down drive as they turned off of Rumfield. And lo and behold, as we take the suspect into custody inside the truck, one of your detectives finds a handgun. It's a Glock, likely one of the guns that might have been taken from a relative that was used in the shooting. I know we're still working out the details on that. So number two suspect is now in custody, um, all is well. And this goes down right in front of our local news media during the filming of Trackdown.
2: We got movement on the truck. They up. Okay. Do we know there uh, if he's in there? think he got the driver's hand. Hey, Chief, can, can you run up there and TCSO? they are knock it down on the traffic stop.
1: You know, at this point, the real question for us was, where is Jason Davis? We know from past history that this guy is not afraid to engage in gun violence. He's not afraid to run from police. As a matter of fact, he was actually on bond right now for other offenses.
4: Right, and, and one of those offenses was a, another charge for deadly conduct. He was also charged in, out on bond for an awful carrying of a weapon, aggravated robbery, theft of a firearm, and evading arrest, detention. At least two of those, possibly three, involved a handgun or some type of firearm.
1: So we get a major break in the case after we leave the scene on down drive.
4: Right. So after we got JT into custody, I asked my other detectives in unmarked units to drive by the areas we knew Jason Davis to associate himself with. They were all here within the city. And as we started driving by those cases, uh, two of my detectives did locate the vehicle that he was suspected in using on one of the side streets.
1: Yeah, I mean, a big shout out to Detectives Carly Page and, and Gasper Martinez. I mean, here they are roaming the city at your direction in the unmarked unit. They come across, you know, the black Chevy Cruze, which, we had been on the lookout for and that just happened to be the car that we knew was associated with Jason. So amazing. This was on Tacoma Drive, uh, which is near South Cherry Lane and Gibbs, close to the flight line of our military base. And I I remember when Detective Page uh, found the vehicle, she was enthusiastically uh, happy that she couldn't believe it when she read the license plate and it was a match. And So we had reason to believe that he was certainly in this area. We didn't know exactly which residence, So we develop a plan and, and I have to give credit to our patrol team, Sergeant Frank Blaustein. He was able to establish a good perimeter using your detectives, using command staff while we waited for the sheriff's team to respond back to our city. And really, the purpose of setting up the perimeter of numerous officers is so that in the event that the suspect, in this case, Jason Davis, if he tried to escape on foot, we'd have people in position that could intercept him. And then the moment came. The moment we had all been waiting for. The opportunity to snatch up the third and final suspect we had at this time. Peering through a pair of high-powered binoculars, detective page, shouts on the radio that they seen. An
2: individual came out of the house with a black shirt, black shorts, walked out to the vehicle, looked down the street, walked around the vehicle, opened the car door, reached in, and then shut the door and
4: walked back into the house.
3: You saw you in the Jason Davis'
1: And again, we already had a predetermined plan that if he stepped outside onto the street, we were going to take him down. And that's exactly what Sergeant Blaustein and the responding Tarrant County deputies did. And the rest is history. The third and final suspect, now Jason Davis, he was in custody. And we couldn't wait to share the great news and extraordinary police work with the community.
2: Three people arrested after this shootout in the middle of a Tarrant County neighborhood. It was caught on this ring camera you're looking at in white settlement police say a fight led to gunfire. No one was hit, but bullets did damage several homes and cars.
1: Sergeant Person, I want to thank you and your team, along with our patrol officers, again, the dispatchers that assisted the team over this operation, our command staff that stopped what they were doing to assist our patrol team as well, the local media, certainly our community that provided tips, and the Tarrant County Sheriff's Office for the amazing work that was completed. And we were able, again, to get everyone into custody very quickly. I mean, I would say in lightning speed here. I mean, you have a shooting on Saturday evening. You respond out there, you get the main players identified, collect all of the ballistic evidence, you're able to write and secure multiple felony arrest warrants, and then we've got everybody in jail by Wednesday. I mean, that's four days from the shooting, outstanding work. My hat is really off to everyone. I appreciate you joining us on the WSPD briefing today as we talk about gun violence and the serious consequences that it has and the impacts that it does for our community, and also what suspects can expect if they decide to come out here and commit gun violence. This is how we're going to respond to these types of calls. Again, if they make the unwise decision to engage in reckless disregard for human life, they can better expect that our investigative team will leave no stone unturned and we're going to hold them accountable.
4: Thank you very much, Chief, for having me on. And I just want to reiterate just the great police work that our department did, my CID team with patrol, with the admin, and also our cooperation and help from Tarrant County and the other agencies in this.
1: Again, thank you. Well, folks, that's all for the WSPD Briefing Room. Be sure to subscribe to this channel wherever you get your favorite podcasts. You know, we've got a lot of great content planned for this show as we move forward to educate you on what we do and how we do it. You can also find our team on Facebook, Twitter, now called X, Instagram, and YouTube. Until next time, have a great week.
0: Thanks for tuning in to the WSPD Briefing Room. Bridging the gap between law enforcement and residents, one episode at a time. Be sure to subscribe so you never miss a future episode. And for more information, you can check us out online at WSPD.us, on Twitter and YouTube at WSPDTX, on Facebook at White Settlement PD, and on Instagram at White Settlement Police. Thanks again for tuning in, and we'll see you next time.